Um, originally, what we were looking at, and this was sort of part of the initial coin offering bubble, was uh, tokenizing assets and fractionalizing them, uh, you know, with uh, blockchain and, and tokenized applications, uh, so, so that essentially you could have a piece of land, um, you know, with a business plan for a hotel, which we have a lot of pieces of land with nothing on it in, in Jamaica, um, but but with a business plan for a hotel, and you could essentially go to the market and say, okay, I'm going to do a token offering for. Uh, this piece of land with a business plan for a hotel or a factory or or whatever and i'm going to sell these tokens and i want to raise two million and essentially if you have the land or you've got uh, access to to or permission from the the landowner you know you can raise money uh, by doing a token offering but this is what people got excited about it didn't really take off in the way that was expected because you know you have uh, ties to land registries and tax and uh, other licenses that, that are needed um but but this is now starting to pick up again and if you look at it from a macro point of view um you know it's a way to get productivity in a way that never has been before uh, to certain sectors of the economy You're listening to the Digital Jamaica podcast, the show where we deep dive topical issues around tech to uncover opportunities we can leverage to earn. This season on the show, we're taking a critical look at Web 3.0, the pros, the cons and the profits. I'm your host, Kater Francis, and in our first episode, I'm talking to David Palmer. He is the blockchain lead for IoT at Vodafone Business. Now, David takes us on a journey all the way back to the origins of Web3, looking at foundational technologies like blockchain, uh, digital identity, tokenization, and what got people excited about these technologies in the first place and how we can get back there. He really believes that there's a lot of potential in the space, especially for our young people, um, getting them skilled to use the technology and proficient in the technology, not just to become employable, but so that they can create opportunities for collaborations, opportunities for business, building virtual businesses on the blockchain that has global reach and impact. Uh, though he is based in London, David is a son of the soil, and so he has a special interest in Jamaican young people, and he's using his expertise, his experience, his knowledge to expand the possibilities for our young people, but not just in Jamaica, but young people globally. The future is the youth. But guys, before we jump into the conversation, uh, there are 10 episodes in this season, and we explore a wide range of Web3 topics. And I'm talking to proponents, and critics of the space to get their perspectives and insights about what this space is about, how we can make money in this space, and how we can leverage the space uh, for other opportunities, as well as what are the scams that we need to uh, be looking out for so we can protect ourselves at the same time. So if this is something you're interested in, and trust me, you should be, because there's a lot of gems and a lot of really juicy insider information that we're going to be getting uh, that you're going to be hearing this season. So make sure you're tuning in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I'm excited for you guys to hear all of it, but let's get into this conversation with David Palmer. 
My name is David Palmer. I'm an innovator. I'm also the uh, blockchain lead for Vodafone uh, Group. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm very pleased to be joining uh, this podcast today. All right. Hi, David. And thank you for talking to me today. It's very serendipitous how we met, David, because you reached out to me on LinkedIn. I did. I don't remember what I posted and you reached out to me. I was like, you know what? Actually, I'm recording season three of the podcast and I would love um, to have somebody to come and talk to us about blockchain, blockchain technology. And then we got into this whole conversation about the future of work and young people. And you started talking about how blockchain could be instrumental in helping young people create opportunities for themselves. But before we go into that conversation, David, can you tell us, so first of all, what is Vodafone? I know what Vodafone is because I used to live in Hangland, but for our <laughs> listeners, can you explain what Vodafone is and exactly what your job obtains? Okay, so, so Vodafone is a telecommunications company, otherwise known as a communication service provider. Um, Vodafone operates uh, around the globe, so it's truly global. I believe uh, they're one of the biggest telecommunication companies in the world, uh, operating in 23 companies, uh, countries, um, and, uh, and they have partners, uh, partner markets in 27 countries around the globe. So uh, Vodafone um, is a, a communication service provider with global reach, uh, employing uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and providing uh, services from uh, you know, consumer phone connectivity to Internet of Things services uh, to mobile private network to, to uh, package connectivity solutions. Okay. And so I see in your bio, it talks about you being an expert on the convergence of digital technologies and new business models, and that you're currently exploring the opportunities associated with IoT, blockchain, and metaverse. So what is Vodafone doing around those things? And how are you involved in that? So, so, so Vodafone, like many companies, are becoming platform companies. Um, yeah. In the telecommunications sector, I, I mean, the discussion is around a move from communication service provider to digital service provider or from telco to techco. And um, basically what that's describing is the, the transition that many organizations are going through to essentially become technology company because technology is now at the heart of everything we're doing. Um, so, so Vodafone is going through that digital transformation. And, uh, you know, when you look at core connectivity services, that was the stable for most companies. So, you know, most telecommunication companies, it was about, um, you know, connecting people, uh, connecting IoT devices, uh, connecting organizations and, and solutions around that. But um, th that is only a limited amount of the value chain. And uh, Vodafone, like many connectivity service providers, has been uh, looking to move up that value chain and add other digital services. And um, if you look at where the movement has been uh, in digital uh, over the last past years, of course, we had Web 1, we had Web 2.0, which was social media and uh, internet companies. And the opportunity now for, for enterprises such as Vodafone and others to catch up is really to look at the potential of Web 3 uh, and this whole sort of blockchain technology digital identities, all the things that go around it and, and basically see, well, how can that provide new business opportunities? So, so that is the sort of transition uh, that we're talking about with the convergence of, of, of uh, cellular uh, IoT technology and blockchain and other digital technologies. 
Okay, so that is a good launching point to get into the conversation because for the last couple of months, my focus has really been on young people in Jamaica, kind of getting them prepared for what I call the future of work because I am of the view that we're not doing enough to kind of, uh, you know, ready them to be marketable in this new labor market. It's, it's not new, it's already emerging, but, you know, in, a, in, in this emerging labor market. And so in our, in our conversation on LinkedIn, you were talking about using the blockchain to create opportunities for young people. So can you talk to us a little bit about that, especially as it relates to the Internet of Things and the metaverse? Sure. I mean, I'll start off by saying um, that blockchain technology and the things around it, the applications around uh, blockchain have been you know, probably one of the most exciting um, you know, developments. Um, you know, I, I was sort of looking at 2021 and you can see that the crypto cryptocurrency market size is now 3 trillion US dollars. You know, there's 240 billion US dollars locked in DeFi protocols. Uh, we can talk about decentralized finance soon. Um, you know, NFT is another big area, 22 billion uh, NFTs traded in 2021, 30 billion US dollars invested in crypto startup, um, single day trade for electronic trading funds in, uh, in Bitcoin, 1 billion. So in one day, 1 billion of Bitcoin was traded in an in a electronic trading fund. So we've gone uh, forwards from trading funds being authorized to having a billion a day being transacted. You know, over 200 million global users of crypto in the world. And if you look at NFT, uh, NFTs alone, and, and this is sort of speaking to opportunity, uh, the PAX merge, 93 billion US dollars was the most expensive NFT sold in 2021. If you look at the metaverse, um, you know, the top six metaverse coins, so this includes uh, Decentraland, Sandbox, et cetera, 21 billion uh, market cap in 2021. Um, you know, and uh, if you start looking at countries and central bank digital currencies of which Jamaica is one of the leaders in central bank digital currencies, um, you know, 79 countries are working on central bank digital currencies. And then you look at 6.37 billion uh, people with smartphones over the world. Uh, and, and what that is telling me in terms of opportunities for young people, and this has been accelerated by COVID and the move to sort of digital communication, is that the world is now open. You know, the, the geographic and, uh, and, and customs barriers that we had before, which prevented uh, young people from having the opportunity to work for certain organizations or do business with certain organizations, or access uh, opportunities, access information have been removed. I mean, the biggest access point you have now is actually connectivity. You know, if you have a smartphone, uh, if you have uh, reasonably fast internet, you know, as a young person, all of what I've just described in terms of crypto, NFTs, and metaverse opportunities are open to you if you have the right skill set. So in terms of opportunity, it's absolutely massive. You know, in terms of metaverse, I mean, what I haven't said is that, um, you know, the metaverse opportunity projections are that in 2024, so just in just sort of uh, two years, they're expecting the metaverse opportunity to be 800 billion US dollars. And by 2020, 2034, US $10 trillion, right? So these are big areas that we're looking at um, that are open to young people. But there's two sides to it. So the opportunity is there. The access to that opportunity is something that's been worked on, but it's a lot better in terms of access to smartphones and connectivity than it was. So it's 6.37 people a billion people in the world now have smartphone access. Um, but you know, the one thing that the you know, the young people uh, coming up need to do is equip themselves with 
And that is an area that I believe um, needs to be worked on um, to being able to realize these, this massive opportunity. For sure. Definitely is going to require upskilling or young people. But can you can you go a little bit into exactly what are these opportunities um, that we're talking about? Because when we, when we talk about opportunities, we say opportunities and then we leave it there. But coming from a culture where we're not necessarily a digital or a tech-based culture, there's a lot more information and explanation that is needed to get them to understand when we say there are opportunities available to you, what exactly we mean by opportunities. Where should they look? What they... What should they be paying attention to? Okay, yes. Yeah. So, so, so I think one side of it is, okay, so, so what is at the heart of blockchain? Smart contract, um, Solidity, you know, Java uh, programming. So, so these are, are the sort of skill sets um, where the opportunities lie. And, um, and, and in terms of equipping yourself to being able to take the, the advantage of these opportunities, those are the sort of things you need, right? Uh, most of the NFTs are, are over the Ethereum platform in terms of programming. Uh, smart contract, Java, Solidity, right? So that's one sort of big area. In terms of, uh, in terms of the metaverse, um, that is maybe slightly more complicated because there, there are, are sort of um, areas of VR, AR um, platforms there um, uh, you know, where, where there are some hardware costs associated with it. But nevertheless, I mean, these are areas where there are massive opportunities. So th th there is a skilling that's needed in terms of how you access it, in terms of jobs. Um, you know, there, there are now, and I'll, I'll explain some of the platforms I've been involved in, but there are now you know, a number of platforms from uh, Fiverr to other uh, sort of um, gig worker platforms that, that are globally available, including in Jamaica, uh, where you can now start to participate in these opportunities. So, so if you're looking for employment opportunities, I think the big firms now are reaching out, uh, you know, looking for skills, especially in North America, and given uh, Jamaica's proximity to North America, you know, there's a lot of tech companies who can't hire programmers. They're all looking for data scientists. They're all looking for smart contract programmers. They're all looking for you know, full stack developers. We're all looking for front end developers. And there is a shortage, right? And the price is going up. So, so those are opportunities where if you make yourself available on, on the gig worker platform or even uh, available to be a remote worker, the opportunities are there. But something I, want, I do want to raise is that maybe the thinking needs to be slightly different uh, in, in the sense that um, if, we, if, if we sort of look at this a bit more, you know, working Fixed-term full-time employment you know, is what we're used to, you know, in the conventional world. In the digital world, um, you know, I believe that there is also an opportunity for everyone, uh, you know, they want to to become an entrepreneur. If uh, you know you have uh, an idea, if you're looking for capital that can be tokenized, you can do token raises online. You you, you can do crowdfunding. Um, but but also, you know, there's a lot of uh, protocols online that are giving bounties, um, you know, that are giving rewards, that are giving grants for people to develop things uh, and start platforms and develop applications, right? So, so you can all also access this opportunity by going into business. You know, one of the things I am, I, that piqued my interest that you said is actually tokenizing, uh, you know, using tokens to raise capital funding to launch your ideas. And I think that is extremely fascinating and actually practical because I must admit, I'm a little bit of a NFT skeptic. 
just because of how it, it has been unfolding in its current iteration, but I do believe that there is immense potential there, and this could be, you know, one of the more one of the more practical ways that we could use a platform like that to create opportunities for ourselves because that's what we're talking about here but um can you can you then go a little bit more into okay so these are the the opportunities that are available and this is how i need this is what i need to be paying attention to but how do i gain these skills where do i go to gain these skills because that could be an, an expensive endeavor so what what are the alternatives to maybe going through a university course which i may not be able to afford or access because certainly in jamaica we are limited in what is being offered here. So where do I go to actually, you know, cut my teeth, get get learning, get the exposure and the experience that I'll need to be marketable to these companies that are out here in the virtual space recruiting people? Um, so I, I think that's a good question. Um, I mean, what I would say is that we're in a, a position now where, you know, you have information at, at your fingertips, uh, you know, on my and online not costing much money. So uh, what, what I would say is that a lot of coding, uh, you know, and, uh, and the software development kits and the associated documentation uh, that are underpinning a lot of the Web3 revolution or evolution uh, are available on uh, platforms like GitHub. They're all open source, right? So again, it comes down to that connectivity to the internet and, and, and uh, really looking around. Uh, but, but also YouTube, also, um, you know, learning channels, right? Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of um, online learning that you can buy for relatively little money um, that that will teach you how to program in Solidity and Java and 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 uh, you know uh, develop a a DeFi smart contract and uh, and develop in REST sorry develop in uh, develop REST APIs and, and all of these sort of technologies that that are key to what we're doing. So if, you, if you just do a a search on online learning, you'll find that um, you know a lot of these courses are one-day courses, five-day courses, um, and and if you're you're willing to invest a little bit in yourself, it's easier now than it's ever been to upskill yourself. And I don't think you need university courses to do that. I think university courses certainly you know give you um, if you're if you're lucky enough to access them a foundational experience. But also, what organizations are looking for more and more now is not you know, what somebody's learned in a university course, um, you know, to necessarily be applied uh, wholesale to, to the problem they've got now, because technology is moving so quickly that essentially what you're looking for is people who can get uh, information at any point and apply it to a problem uh, instantly. And, and that is the sort of skill that you're looking for. So I think foundational university courses are great, but I think there's also an opportunity for people who haven't been to university, but have access to, you know, online resources or maximize their access to online resources uh, to take advantage of that and, and to you know, get into this. You'll find a lot of the protocols online, you know, uh, test your coding experience and it's more about what you've done, right? Uh, so if you can program smart contracts, you know, if you can, um, you know, uh, show that you've got a high proficiency to code, uh, then the opportunity is there. And I think it's there in a way that it, it hasn't been before. But you also talked, uh, um, David, about, you know, creating new business models using blockchain um, technology. And you did talk about, you know, raising funding through tokenization. So can you explain how that works for us? Sure. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, I said that tokenization would be blockchain's killer application, right? Killer meaning, yeah, the biggest application um, 
that you have. And essentially, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a position now where, um, you know, we, we've seen the massive boom in, in, in NFTs and, uh, you know, the fact that NFTs, um, you know, 22 billion NFTs, uh, US dollars worth of NFT and NFTs were traded in 2021. And that is essentially a non-fungible token, right? So a unique asset, uh, which is being tokenized on the blockchain to represent digital ownership. You've seen NFTs, uh, take off for, for digital generative art, for, 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 um, conventional art, for music, for, uh, collectibles. And, and, and it's basically a form of bringing digital ownership into, into the customer experience, right? And uh, when you start looking at that in, in gaming, when you look at that in the metaverse, uh, you know, people are buying land and other assets in, in the metaverse yeah, and, and NFTs are the vehicle to, to hold that. And that's, that's got a lot of popularity. And, you know, we've got a lot of people um, adopting and looking at blockchain and metaverse because of NFTs. And I, I think, you know, there's some skeptics on it, but I think it's, um, you know, it's had its role to play in shining the light. Uh, however, um, originally what we were looking at, and this was sort of part of the initial coin offering bubble, was uh, tokenizing assets and fractionalizing them, uh, you know, with uh, blockchain and, and tokenized applications. Uh, so, so that essentially you could have a piece of land, um, you know, with a business plan for a hotel, which we have a lot of pieces of land with nothing on it in, in Jamaica, um, but, but with a business plan for a hotel. And you could essentially go to the market and say, okay, I'm going to do a token offering for uh, this piece of land with a business plan for a hotel or a factory or or whatever, and I'm going to sell these tokens and I want to raise two million. And essentially, if you have the land or you've got uh, access to to or permission from the the landowner, you know you can raise money uh, by doing a token offering. And, and initially, this was called what you call an ICO, an in, uh, initial coin offering. And now they have security token offering, and there are other um, sort of evolutions. But this is what people got excited about. It didn't really take off in the way that was expected because, you know, you have uh, ties to land registries and tax and uh, other licenses that, that, that are needed. Um, but, but this is now starting to pick up again. And if you look at it from a macro point of view, um, you know, it's a way to get productivity in a way that never has been before uh, to certain sectors of the economy. So, for example, I was saying, you know, uh, land in, in areas that are good for distribution land that are areas that are good for uh, tourism, your know, hospitals, right? Uh, you know, why can't, uh, for example, you do a token raise or a coin offering uh, to expand, you know, Jamaica Public Hospital or another um, site that could be a hospital? Uh, you know, tokenization is the way to package that asset, to fractionalize it in a way that can be consumed by investors around the world. Um, but then I suppose the question you will ask is how does that relate to the individual to the young person who's starting out, how can they benefit from NFTs and tokenization? Well, I think we've covered one site, which is you can learn to start being part of the solution uh, by programming NFTs and smart contracts, um, et cetera, and, and, and enter that way and realize the opportunity that way. But on the other side, something that um, has hit me is that, um, you know, young people around the world have ideas. You know, a lot of them have innovative ideas, but they don't get the chance to participate in, in innovation, right? I'm an innovator. I've, I've been involved in many platforms and I'm fortunate enough to be, um, you know, in a place where, you know, people can listen to my ideas and I can access resources, um, you know, to make them come to life. Part of, part of that was a recent announcement we had for an economy of things platform in Vodafone called Digital Asset Broker. Uh, that was an idea. Uh, and, and obviously the investment was there to bring that to light. But I'm not the only one. I don't have a monopoly on ideas. So part of, a, you know, there's a, a, a platform called Sparks, um, S-P-R-X, 
uh, f.io. And, and, and this was sort of saying, okay, so why, if I have an idea, you know, why can't I tokenize that idea? Why can't I, you know, if I've got an idea to build, let's say, a, an electric car that can, you know, that has a special technology so it can, you know, it has a wider range and it, you know, it, than anything else or, or whatever other idea is. Uh, with Spark, your idea is uh, translated into a hundred tokens or equity in the idea. And then, um, you know, part of the, the problem with ideas is that they're not funded, right? So why can't I um, then go to you or somebody else who has, so I've got the idea for the car and I've got the wheels, right? Why can't I go to somebody else who can develop the steering wheel or the, uh, or the engine and, yeah. electric, and say to them, okay, out of my hundred tokens, uh, you know, I'll give you 20 if you can give me the engine. I'll give you, uh, you know, 10 tokens if you can develop the seats inside. So it's a means of digital collaboration using tokens as the medium of exchange, right? But but the beauty of this is that um, it's a way of getting an idea kickstarted uh, by incentivizing others around the world, uh, you know, who have um, you know complementary skills and resources yeah. uh, to help bring that idea to life. And I, I call that uh, digital barter because essentially what you're doing there is you're using the equity in your idea and on all the tokens and and the collaborations are, are written to the blockchain, but you're using the equity in that idea um, to collaborate with others to bring that idea to life. And, and then when the idea gets to a certain level of maturity, uh, then you can essentially sell that idea uh, to investors or to companies who can consume it or others who can bring it to life. Um, and I think that's very powerful because part of the, the, the problem is that many people have had ideas, uh, but they haven't had any means to collaborate with others to take it forward and they haven't had access to float that idea to businesses uh, you know enterprises and, uh, and, and other uh, venture capitalists who want to buy it and with the spark platform not only can you um, collaborate with others around the world using no money but the equity in your wonderful idea to do it using digital barter but you can also um, you know uh, then make that the idea searchable and available to business and enterprises around the world who who will be who may be interested in it or who it may complement something that they're doing uh, so that they can essentially invest in it and help bring it to life and and I think that, that that is an example I'm not saying it's the only example but it's a practical example of how you know you can really use this digital blockchain technology as an opportunity yeah. um, for you know, sure for, for and, you know, you said something that I was like, oh, this is great because we are, <laughs> we're in an environment where, especially when it comes to Jamaican investors, they are not concept people, if you know what I mean. They are very much show me that it works, show me that it is viable before I invest in it. So it's not like a clubhouse where it's a concept that they had and they brought it to the market and they got how many billion dollars worth of investment or like Facebook that was just a concept and then it got, you know, raised investment to the concept. We're not that kind of people. And so if you could have some kind of prototype created using that tokenization system where one person is doing the engine and one person, you have something that you can actually show something almost tangible that you could show to investors and say, okay, well, this is how it works. This is what it's going to look like, blah, blah, blah. It's still concept. Yes, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's further along than just your idea. Right. Because now you have something kind of kind of going and I, it, it brought to mind. I don't know if you um, are familiar with Nikola Motors. You remember that Nikola Motors fraud? Yeah, that yeah. have right thirty four billion dollars on a truck that was non-existent. But culturally, <laughs> culturally, 
and that was a whole concept thing but i think why it got that far and why you had all these big investors kind of jumping in before anything was actually made was because there was this uh, uh, uh it was more than just an idea they had actually conceptualized now mind you it was a cardboard cutout thing all <laughs> <laughs> right but at, at least there was something that could be presented to an investor to say this is how it runs this is what it's going to do they did the whole trickery business where they kind of pushed the truck down the hill to make it look like it was going fast all that good stuff but still at least they had something to show and i think that's kind of what took them over the edge and in this way you also have something um to show an investor that hey i've gone beyond idea and I'm now I'm putting that out there, and this is the kind of response I'm getting from people who are willing to invest in it by raising tokens, and then other people who are experts who are also willing to come in and help build it. So it's 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 way advanced than just an idea. No, I I kind of have a product development process going on and and i think that's a little bit more sellable and that's that's interesting but you you mentioned yeah, sparks and i know you have i know you have your own platform that you're working on i think it's called work to business work to business correct yeah right. so tell us a little bit more about sparks and is it something that we have access to in the caribbean yeah. in jamaica yeah, how does yeah, it no. work how do we get involved in it and then we can talk about work to business yeah so so, so, so sparks is, is exactly what i just described so so it's it's, it's accessible online uh sparks.io uh and and you basically just register but so i think it's a five five click registration uh you know you get a you get a digital id with it um, you know, five clicks to register your idea. I believe there are even prizes for for the best ideas. Um, you then have uh, your wallet with your with a hundred token uh, for your idea. There's a collaboration hub uh, where you can uh, essentially um, you know link with other collaborators um, to, to to work on your idea with you, and you can give them equity on on that. And then obviously there's a marketplace which can uh, expose the idea um, to venture capitalists, etc. I mean, um, that is essentially what it is. You know, it's, it's tokenization of the idea, collaboration uh, on the blockchain and, uh, and monetization when the idea is sold or equity in the idea is sold to bring it to life. Um, and, and, and just addressing your, your point earlier, I mean, I think the difference here is that you have the blockchain. So, yeah. so first of all, when we, when we sort of thought about this, we were sort of thinking about, okay, you know, um, patents are very expensive, right? I've been involved in patents, filed, et cetera, but it's a very expensive business um, and it's not accessible to everyone. So. If you know, people are scared to, to share their ideas um, because they, they haven't got it painted in and somebody can essentially take their idea and run with it, right? So people are generally scared to share their ideas with each, with each other. Um, and the blockchain you know, provides a means of immutably recording your idea. So that's what Sparks does is it's very simple. You, know, you have an idea, it could be an idea for film, it could be a technology idea, it could be a retail idea, whatever it is, five picks put it down, it's written to the blockchain, it's recorded against your name. Right? So that, that's the first thing you have, is, is an ability to record, um, you know, have an immutable record of an idea that you've come up with without having to go to a painter. Now, I'm not saying it necessarily provides the same protection as a painter, but it provides some protection. It provides some evidence that you, you've come up with that idea. Um, so that's the first thing, you're protected. I, I think the second, uh, and, and, and blockchain is providing that trust and that immutability. The second thing is that, um, you know, all of you know, at the center of the blockchain, metaverse, NFT, token ecosystem is something called digital identity. 
or decentralized situation. And, and essentially what this means is that the participants who are, are working together um, to, to, to bring an idea to life have a digital identity. We know who they are. Uh, every collaboration that happens and every um, contribution is recorded as part of the collaboration journey on the blockchain, so it's immutable. And when you think about it, how many lawsuits have come about because someone said they did something in the creation of, of an idea and that's disputed and then they go to court and nobody wins because they pay legal fees and it takes years. But here in that collaboration journey, it's all written to the blockchain immutably uh, with consent of all the collaborators, right? So you don't have you know, an, an issue of who owns what in an idea because all of those transactions in terms of equity in, in the idea are happening on that collaboration uh, journey on the blockchain. So the blockchain is also protecting against uh, you know, uncertainty of who owns what or who, who did what in, in an idea. And then I think the third thing is it's very clear then at the end of the journey, um, who's done what, uh, you know, what, what has happened with the idea, who owns it. Uh, so when you actually go to a venture capital, uh, capitalist, it's, it's very clear what the position is with that idea uh, and where it is, right? Now, now in terms of, you know, taking it forwards to go and tokenize, um, you know, uh, or, or do an initial coin offering, maybe the collaboration would have needed to produce a prototype or a proof of concept or, or something. And, and I would expect any venture capitalist to do their due diligence on, on both, um, you know, the collaterals of the invention and the people involved. But I think with blockchain, there's a, a better foundation, uh, which, which should make that easier. That to me is where they hold, what you call a game changer, right? Because now an investor can be secure in, in terms of knowing where this thing originated from, who owns it, and that is something that cannot be changed. Um, and in that way, that provides an added level of uh, security because I can bank on this. Um, it's an easier decision for me to make in terms of do I want to actually get myself involved or not. So, you know, in that way, that's a really awesome thing. But, you know, going way back, or earlier, you talked about the metaverse and, you know, buying land and building land and stuff. And, you know, when when the whole metaverse thing came about in 2021, and by came about, I mean, the conversation restarted because certainly the metaverse is not a new concept. And then you had embassies, I think it was Barbados, was it Barbados, who said that they're going to have an embassy in the metaverse and people are going, oh, how? <laughs> what does that even mean by having an embassy in the metaverse? So what, what, do, what would it mean to have a business that's in the metaverse, that exists within the metaverse? How would one even begin to conceptualize something like that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And I, and I probably, the first thing I'll say is which metaverse? Um, because there I, are I didn't even metaverse. know there was more than one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I thought we yeah. were just talking about one. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so you have one internet, right? Um, and, and, and that is how we're accessing it. But the, the metaverse is about an immersive experience. And I believe it will, will actually drill back and re-engineer the very essence of you know, or what we understand about internet and TCIP, uh, et cetera, right? But um, yeah, so the first thing I'll say is which metaverse, um, you know, and uh, so, so there's two sides again. So you can get into um, the business of, um, you know, of providing skills or business uh, to realize the metaverse opportunity. And that's exactly as I said before, Java, um, the learn uh, about immersive experience, AR, VR, um, you know, gaming, programming games, wallets, uh, you know, digital identity. These are all the core uh, building blocks 
And if you want to be a part of, um, you know, building that metaverse and, and getting a reward for doing that, then, then get those skills and access, uh, you know, projects that are working on that. In terms of business, a lot of the businesses in the metaverse now are, are people building the protocols. So people like Decentraland, Sandbox, uh, who are building uh, sort of virtual worlds, um, you know, where you can essentially own uh, land in the metaverse and it's expected to go up. Uh, uh, but then uh, on the other hand, um, you have uh, the opposite of that, which are uh, you know, the sort of gaming companies, uh, you know, uh, Axie Infinity, Roblox, uh, where essentially you can, you know, have an experience where, you know, you can own things, you can experience things, you can you can earn from playing games and store those values in, in NFTs. To earn. And, and that's one aspect of the metaverse as well. And those are the two areas that have grown. And, and what you're seeing now uh, in terms of some of the announcements, so JP Morgan uh, recently opened a, uh, a metaverse bank. It's just essentially having a branch on Decentraland or Sandbox uh, that people can see. You've had a lot of fashion organization, uh, you know, Nike, Adidas, Louis Vuitton, open stores on what you call the... Uh, the, the, the fashion district of, uh, of Decentraland, um, et cetera. But at the moment, I think they're just headlines. I think the business end of it will be NFTs uh, related to it. Um, I think it would be, um, you know, where, where you have a platform like Decentraland owning land. People are, are buying and selling land on these platforms. And in the gaming where you're doing play to earn. And those seem to be the, the big opportunities you have now. But um, there's a lot of... Um, you know, there's a lot of things to be resolved, uh, you know, as, as we, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, and I think it's going to be one of the biggest opportunities we see in many generations. But, um, you know, it has to deal with a few basic uh, issues. One of them is scarcity. I could buy, um, you know, uh, Kingston or, you know, area of Kingston or the United Arab Emirates or the US on Decentraland. And, uh, you know, I bought it. If somebody else wants to buy it, they can just go to another platform. So you can actually create more supply. Uh, very easily in the metaverse because it's not fully uh, because um, you know it's finite um, you know sorry it's infinite uh, in terms of being able to create it um, uh, you know additional space or additional games or additional tokens um, so so there's a lot of things in terms of how it will work from an economic point of view um, that need to be resolved and I actually drew a, a sort of framework for the metaverse and it had a, a number of, of areas um, to it. But uh, what I added um, to that metaverse uh, framework recently was um, sort of social polit political governance, uh, because um, essentially what's, what's very clear is that if the metaverse is going to be where we do business, uh, then everybody needs to have access to it, right? So, so market forces can't dictate that. You need to ensure equal access. But also, you know, how do you police it? How do you uh, provide incentives uh, for people to do business in it? Do you, how do you tax it? And, and all of these things are the, the things that have not been uh, worked out yet, um, but, but need to. And, and how do you have an identity that works across the real world and the metaverse? How do you trace uh, anything that's done there back? To and these are some of the things that need to be worked out. Uh-huh. Okay, um, and we, let's talk some more about work to business because that's your platform, right? Correct. Yeah. So th yeah. So, so th this platform uh, is uh, shortly launching. It was uh, it won a, a, a two innovation awards from um, from Innovate UK, and essentially it's building on. So so at the heart of what you have in you know in Web three and blockchain, and more and more I, I I'm seeing this is something called digital identity, and 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 uh, you know for Web three you're talking about decentralized self-sovereign digital identity. What does that mean? It essentially means that you're seeing this with Facebook. I own my data. I own my identity. I can have elements of my identity, my payment identity, 
uh, my work identity, my, uh, my, my, my address identity, my relationship identity. These are all different components we call decentralized ID, right? And um, essentially for, uh, you know, that ID to be validated in some cases. So for example, a passport or and a driver's license, you make it what's called a verifiable credential, which basically means that someone with authority, for example, the passport office or the driver's license agency has basically uh, attested that yes, you know, David has a passport that allows him to travel. It's in date, you know, uh, or he has a driver's license, which uh, allows him to drive a car. And once that um, identity is verified, it's on the blockchain, I can give people who need to see it um, access to it. And I can give them access to the identity. Uh, but how solutions work is you use something called zero knowledge proof. Uh, so basically, they all, they, all they need to say is, does David have a passport? Yes. Okay, he can travel. You know, does he have a driver's license for this car? Yes, he can rent the car. Um, and, and, and that's what you call um, decentralized. Uh, identity and, and the self-sovereign uh, bit means I give you access to it. I give you access to my identity and the associated data. Uh, from a data point of view, it means I can share in in, in the monetization. So, so you know, platforms can't just take my data and monetize it. They can take my data if I give them permission to that credential uh, and if they give me the right incentive to, to do it. But Works for Business basically builds on that and says, okay, you know, let, let's, let's really look at the dynamics of uh, of, of what's happening in the world. And if you look at, you know, companies uh, and businesses, you know, you know, you go and you set up uh, articles of association and incorporation and it's stamped. And, and, and businesses now are really built, you know, for, for the long term. You know, they're, they're built to satisfy opportunities or demand that will go on for years and years because of the time and effort it takes to set them up and, uh, and how things are reflected. But in the digital world, there's two things, right? Number one is that uh, in terms of conventional businesses, you know, it's quite friction filled to, to go into business with someone. You know, you can have a partnership or a limited company or incorporated company, but, you know, they have to sign documents, you know, to um, be incorporated, uh, your shares have to be allocated. And, and this all takes time. But what about, you know, where, you know, and, and it's difficult if they're not in the same jurisdiction. I think certain things have changed, right? So one of them is, you know, to be efficient, you know, a person should be able to go into business with any other person around the globe very quickly and easily. I think the second thing is, um, you know, they should be able to form a business together uh, using smart contracts or, or other technologies that allow them to, to satisfy demands that may be limited in time. So for example, you may have three programmers that come together to, to fulfill a demand for, um, you know, to, to develop a smart contract or a website or, or whatever. And uh, you may have somebody in Jamaica, somebody in the US, somebody in China, uh, and they should be able to come together very quickly without having to go to the lawyer and set up a con uh, company and, um, you know, incorporate it, et cetera, because that's going to be a barrier to and work to business basically addresses that by saying, okay, I can take my digital identity. I can link it with the digital identity of the person in China and the person in the US. And what we do is we, we, we collect our digital identity um, and we form a virtual business. And then in terms of how we get payment and we, we, we pay and we get paid, we, we can take our wallets, which is another key uh, component of Web3 and, 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 uh, and digital business. And we can say, okay, I'm going to take my wallet. Uh, I'm going to combine it with the wallet of the person in the US and the person in China, and we're going to form a virtual bank account, right? So we can take the payment and we're going to have a smart contract which sets out who gets what from that payment when we satisfy the demand for completing that program. And, and that is what's called a virtual business. And the work to business uh, platform is basically saying, um, you know, providing capabilities to form these virtual businesses and also let 
people know that they, you don't have you know, the only opportunity isn't to go and get a job. I think there's nothing wrong with getting a job. There's nothing wrong with full time employment. But you know, there's also an opportunity to be an entrepreneur and to enter into into business if you can find people with complementary skills. Uh, you know, uh, that does that. The platform also brings in demand. Uh, so not only can you set up a virtual business with anybody in the world linking your identity and have a virtual bank account linking your wallet. Uh, but you can also, um, you know, uh, on the platform, get demand for those services. So you can search and you could say, okay, you know, this demand has come in for, it doesn't have to be technology. It could be, you know, uh, to decorate a house. It could be whatever. It could be building. And, you know, you can then search for people on the platform with complementary skills. You know, you can then form a virtual business with them uh, and then you can engage on it. Uh, and, and the good thing about that is everything is in the blockchain. It's all identity-based. Um, you know, smart contracts are controlling the output. Um, so, so yeah, you have a level of security, um, which you wouldn't have, which would have been a barrier to this sort of thing. Uh, and, and I believe it can bring efficiency to to, to to business. I think it can be it can bring opportunity to individuals sure. and create a new dynamic uh, organization for the digital world. For sure, especially if, as you say, you're cutting out a lot of middlemen, because you know trying to start a business in Jamaica can be a very onerous onerous process and there is conflicting information all over the place. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can fall into problems, and it can become an expensive process but what i what i was really interested in is the, the 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 ability to create a wallet with you and somebody else in a different part of the world where you can collect these online payments because one of the problems we have in jamaica as um, online businesses e-commerce businesses is payment processing and payment gateways that are not necessarily readily available to us and then the local options not being um, viable in terms of cost. So if this is, if it sounds to me like a sort of fintech solution as well um, for us to be able to collect monies online, then this sounds like a really, really awesome thing, David. No, I, no, I, I, I believe so. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's using the technologies that are out, are out there. We are moving to a world of wallets. Right? We're moving away from a world of bank accounts to a world of wallets, which will hold several payment credentials, your mortgage, your bank account, your crypto account, uh, et cetera. And you have your business, your business account, and you have the ability within those wallets to combine certain areas or aspects of those payment credentials with others. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that is just digital technology. We have the trust of the blockchain. We have smart contracts um, that, that, that can uh, sort that out, right? That, that can facilitate that. So, so yeah. I believe that the world of wallet, you know, is presenting opportunities for buying and selling and commerce and point of sale. Uh, that we've never had before. That is incorporated in a very, I think, dynamic way in work to business. For sure. Um, and, and, uh, and giving people like us in the region who don't have access to a lot of these things like, you know, PayPal or Stripe, etc., giving us an opportunity to participate in this kind of activity, to participate in the e-commerce space, to create revenue streams for ourselves, to create businesses for ourselves. And I think that's probably the most important thing giving us or allowing or affording us opportunities that we haven't had for a very long time. I, I believe it's a leveler. I believe that uh, Web3, I believe that blockchain, digital identity, wallet, um, you know, uh, the internet, even Web2 are, are providing opportunities we haven't had before. And, and I also believe in the power of collaboration globally. Uh, for sure, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, people in Jamaica uh, may have part of the jigsaw. Somebody in China may have the other part of the jigsaw. Somebody in the UK may have the other part. Somebody in America may have the other part. 
Uh, with this, you have, you know, with the spots, you have the ability to combine uh, with, with people around the globe for ideas. With mm -hmm. work to business, you have the you have the practical opportunity to collaborate with them to do business in a way right. that you never had before. And, and, and that, is that available in Jamaica? The web to business. It, 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 it will be. So it was, it was uh, it, again, it was funded by the UK government for Innovate UK, uh, and it was part of uh, COVID. Uh, so expected unemployment from COVID, and this was uh, an idea to give people who were being displaced uh, the opportunity to go into business um, and, and sell services as an alternative. Uh, but it is global. And uh, so it's UK uh, initially, but it is global and will be available in the UK. You have, you have to bring it home in a David because you're a Jamaican. At least you of have course. Jamaican uh, heritage, yeah, parentage, yeah, so you know you have to bring it home. No, no, but I, I think I mean I was in Jamaica in last time in 2019. Yeah, and, and I, I think the there was incredible development uh, in the region, and I've always thought that Jamaica has some of the most talented people. You know, For sure. enterprising business people, really resourceful. No but doubt. they've also had a lack of opportunity. Uh, For so sure. you go to Jamaica and you go to a hotel and you go back to that same hotel 10 years later, odds are the waitress, the guy at the front will, will be there. Not because they haven't got the skills and the talent to progress to something uh, else, but because they haven't had the opportunity to do that. They haven't had the opportunity to go and start a business or, or try another job or move to another career. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that sort of social mobility is something that rests with me. And I believe it's the key to unlocking more productivity in Jamaica um, and, and to improving um, the wealth of the country overall. For sure. For sure. David, thank you so much <laughs> for talking <laughs> to me. You've opened my eyes to a lot of things because I wasn't even thinking in, in this kind of direction. And, you know, you said something about what, what, businesses are really looking for right now especially tech-based businesses are people who are problem solvers who yeah. can use their technical knowledge um uh, apply their technical knowledge to a problem to create a solution and you know we, we talk about coding a lot we talk about you know hardcore tech is what i call it when we're talking about coding and you know full stack development and stuff but that soft skill is actually very important as well so it's not just having the hard skills but also also having the soft skills to complement that um, as well, because you're going to have to apply that knowledge, right, in a way that makes sense um, for the business. So there's there's so many takeaways from this conversation, and I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me um, about this. But if we want some more information about work to business, where can we go to find that information? And, you know, when when do you think it would be available to us this side of the world? So, so the platform launch is scheduled for, for um, August this year. Um, yeah. So, so um, yeah, that that is when the platform will officially be live. I, I can share some some materials, um, just showing what will be available uh, with you um, that can go out with this podcast. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, we're 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 hoping that uh, you know, again, it's not a platform to make money. Uh, it's a platform to make a difference. And uh, you know, for me, um, the reward for the platform would be to see uh, young people or all people, um, you know, especially in Jamaica, you know, get opportunities. Um, that they, they wouldn't otherwise have got. But For I also sure. firmly believe that in, in getting those opportunities, they can make a difference to the world and provide businesses and ideas that the world wouldn't have got if they didn't have those opportunities. So that, that, that's what I'm looking for. And, and, and I will work tirelessly to make, you know, make the platforms available and to try and encourage as many people to get on there. As possible. For sure. Awesome, David. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Digital Jamaica Podcast. If you like the vibes over here, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Doing that will help the show to reach more digital Jamaicans like yourself who would benefit from the insights we share on the show. You can also follow us on Instagram at digital.jamaica or Twitter at the Digital Jamaican. We can also connect and collaborate on LinkedIn. Find me there at Kadia Francis. Until next time, guys, take care.